Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fast Talk, your source for the science of cycling performance. I'm your host, Chris Case, Trevor Connor, Coach Connor. You're sitting next to me today. We've got a special one today. We do. I don't think we've ever done anything like this, have not, we? Not exactly, no. So this is, the, the, the quick background on this is several years ago, I did an article talking about planning out your timing your season, I think was, it was, I can't remember the title, but that was the theme of it, was sure. timing your season. And I got these four, what I thought were pretty amazing interviews with, with pros that you know, each interview was 20, 30 minutes long. And then I realized I've got 600 words. <laughs> to, to use for the article, right? You're going right. to have a lot of excess. So I had these amazing interviews and I grabbed maybe one quote mm -hmm. from each interview. And I always felt like that was a bit of a waste because there's so much great information in these interviews that just never got shared. It never got out there. So it always been at the back of my head of it would be great to put together a podcast where we just play clips from these interviews. Sure. So I don't think there's a big message to share here or a giant theme. Except how to map out your season. And, right. And the nuances thereof and the, the, the different parts of a given season. Right. So that's, you know, we, we broke it up into exactly that. Uh, but I think the what we hope you get out of this is listen to these interviews. And I think for everybody, somewhere in one of these interviews or a couple of these interviews are some great pieces of advice that hopefully you can, you can grab and yeah. use. And I think it's worth emphasizing that, you know, we've, we've uh, had pros on the show before and we like to hear from pros in certain circumstances because they've figured some of this stuff out. They race a lot. They race a lot more than probably any amateur out there, but they've also figured some things out that anybody can apply to their season, and I think that's why we want to hear from these four guys. Do you want to mention these four guys, Trevor? Oh, you're going to make me pronounce these make names? I'm going to pronounce these names because they're some of, the, some of the hardest, but not the hardest. Jamaluddin Abdujaparov would probably be the hardest one. He's from way back. You might not even remember him. How did you just do that? Jamaluddin Abdujaparov? <laughs> <laughs> the Tashkent Terror? I am just going to give a general, for the rest of time, apology to most professional cyclists out there. I am going to butcher your name. <laughs> we do podcasts where we have to pronounce one of these names, and Chris sits here. It's, it's like the when you watch the actors like moving their cheeks and trying to practice doing different wow, syllables. Wow, wow, <laughs> exactly. Wow, wow. And Chris nah, will, Chris nah. will spend like 10 minutes going, here's how you pronounce it. And finally I will get it in the practice. And then we go into the show and it's just awful. Hey, under pressure. I don't know. First one, fairly easy. We have Larry Warbus. There you go. Did I get that? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Larry. Larry is a former national champion. He's ridden for some domestic teams. He's ridden for some French teams. He's had a world tour career, and he brings a lot of wisdom to this episode. This was a fantastic interview with Larry, and uh, there's probably more clips from him, partially because it was also the longest interview in this episode than anybody else. Next up, we have, and I think I've got this one because he taught me himself, Tom's Scoinch. Yeah, there you go. 
He, he that is that is a tricky one. When you look at that name, it looks like Scoogins. Scoogins or Scoogins or something. But yeah, Scoinch. Another great mind, I guess you could say, in the in the sport. Very thoughtful about his training. Knows physiology well in a sense. Um, spends a lot of time in the United States, but is a Latvian national road race champion back in 2019. Used to ride for the Hincapie racing team back when it was a development squad in the U.S. Then he rode for Cannondale, Draypack, when it was named that, and he's been with Trek Segafredo for three years. Punchy, punchy rider, has done really well at the Tour of California. Great guest. Yeah, now he's... In the inter- the longer interview we did with him, he talked about how he really focuses on the classics, but he even held the uh, polka dot jersey in the tour. Yep. Next up, and this one apparently I keep getting wrong, Kiel Reinen. That's the correct pronunciation. Kind of looks like Kyle Reijnen, but it's Kiel Reinen. And he's an American rider. He's... Again, one of these riders that spent a long time racing domestically with Jelly Belly, Team Type 1, United Healthcare. Then he stepped up to the World Tour, and he's been in the World Tour since 2016, again with Trek Segafredo. Really great guy. Sort of one of those riders. Being American, we know him, but he's a little bit more anonymous. He's kind of a domestique. He he finds his moments. He's a punchy rider, has a good kick, um, and another uh, great source for, for... content today. What I really enjoy about Kiel, because I've actually interviewed him a bunch. The first time I ever interviewed him, he was kind of the young guy on the scene. Now he's in his 30s. And as you said, he, you don't hear about him much because he's more a domestique, but very smart, very wise when it comes to training. He actually has an exercise science degree from mm-hmm. University of Colorado. So my understanding is on his team, he's kind of the the wise, experienced rider mm-hmm. that a lot of the other riders talk to. Great. And, and he always, every interview I've, I've ever done with him, he has some really good wisdom to share. Nice. And then finally, Joey Roscoff. That's also correct pronunciation. You're really disappointed, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to hear you butcher some things. Um, no, Joey, another, another rider. Started domestically, American. Came up, had a... Amazing result at a tour of Utah several years ago. Really impressed Cadell Evans and George Hincapie, who had relationships with the BMC team at the time, and he stepped it up, and he rode with the BMC team. Then it turned into the CCC squad. Extremely good time trialist, has won the National Time Trial Championship, uh, and sort of a mellow guy. Takes a while for him to come out with things, but he does also share some wisdom in this episode. Absolutely. And the one disclaimer or apology I'm going to give here is, again, these were all interviews I did for an article. So we weren't thinking podcast at the time. Most of these were phone interviews, which means they're going to be a little lower quality. And particularly to the guests, in in a couple cases, I apologize because they weren't expecting it to go necessarily end Mm. up on a show so i'll say joey's isn't the best quality Mm -hmm. Um, i think he might have been doing his dishes when he was talking (laughs) with me hey that's great so there will be some background noise a little flavor of of life as a world tour rider you have to do your own dishes what this is actually 
Chris, you can talk about this more than I can, but a lot of these pros are doing a lot of interviews and they have to train, they have to recover, they have to make sure they're eating and they can't keep just taking dedicated time off to do interviews. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're multitasking at all times, really. They're, they're generally multitasking when you're interviewing them. Yep. Very good. Well, let's dive into it. Let's make you fast. This episode of Fast Talk is brought to you by Whoop. I think one of the most fascinating aspects of the Whoop strap is this sleep coach that they offer. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, something I like about this sleep coach is it's more than just a number. So they do give you in the morning a percentage score, how how well you slept. Quality indicator. Right. Which I look at, but then I I think the value is diving into it. You can really go, no pun intended, deep, where you can see the whole heart rate profile of your, your night of sleep. So you can see when you are awake, when you are in deep sleep, when you are in REM sleep. It'll really tell you a lot about how much was I waking up, how much was I moving around, how much good quality deep sleep did I get. You can dissect the, the the nightly sleep patterns and learn a lot about yourself. And then once you've started to dissect that and learn what your typical sleep pattern looks like, that actually is something that also goes beyond the, the assessment they give you is be able to look at a bad night or a particularly good night and see how it varies from what you are used to. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code FASTTALK. That's F-A-S-T-T-A-L-K at checkout. Go to whoop, that's W-H-O-O-P dot com, and enter Fast Talk at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. So the episode, again, is about mapping out your season. We've broken that season into several parts. Let's start with starting the season, appropriately enough. So... Yeah, two of the interviews we talked about the start of the season. So these are the first two that we're going to play. We have a quick one from Joey where he talks about how great he feels at the start of the season, but very quickly, even by end of March, he's, he's feeling a little tired. So talk a bit about that. And then we will talk to Larry about the fact that most pros see their peak numbers before the season even starts. Mm, yet. Interesting. That's not when they're on their best form. So he's going to, it's hard to explain. He even says that, but it's a really interesting point to think about. Do you have a point in the season or find you you frequently have a point in the season where you're feeling a little stretched, you're feeling a a little overreached and and you have to figure out how to get through that? Just depends on your race schedule. Everyone has a, a different structure for the year, but Mine's been pretty similar the last two years. I think I had a little lull, like at the end of March, it seems like. You start the year so motivated, train a lot in December and January. I mean, a lot of guys start training in November, but even if you do two full months, December, January, a bunch of hours at home, and then I've done some racing in the Middle East, Middle East and France in February the last two years. You're jumping right in, you have a pretty full month of racing in February. I've always felt good then coming off the training, but yeah, a month or a month and a half later, by the end of March, it seems to dip a little bit, get a little slower, gain a little weight. I think the body is just trying to 
to catch up and recover. All right, now let's hear from Larry. I'm big on the fact that it's not just about getting strong, it's about getting strong at the right time. How do you feel, though? Do you agree with that? So or? you're talking about time of year, strong right. at the right time of year? Okay. Right. I mean, it is kind of interesting because it's something uh, well, we talk about a lot, actually, uh, like, like, you know, among us pros is like, we all set our best numbers in January. Okay. So like, you know, we're all doing these powered tests and like, you know, like we'll go to our January camps and everyone's doing their best numbers ever. Or in the first, like first, like races, the numbers are just insane, you know, but then again, I don't think that necessarily even means that we're the strongest that we'll get, you know, because it's just we're more fresh at the beginning of the year and all those kind of things. So I, I guess this is sort of a, a different answer to your question. But just because you're setting your best numbers doesn't even mean you're performing your best, actually. So half the time I'll have my best uh, results and stuff when maybe like I won't do any crazy numbers in the race or something like that. But I guess it's just that's another thing. It's hard to quantify your, your, whether your max power tests are even your best fitness, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> this is hard to explain, but, but yeah, so I guess for a lot of us, we'll go to our January camp. We'll be absolutely smashing it. But if we were to say, have the same race that we have in July, in January, we wouldn't perform as well in January as we would in July, even though our power numbers would be higher. So that's kind of confusing and hard to explain. And I don't think any of us can exactly explain it, but that is how it is. Um, I guess the thing is you see a big problem with a lot of guys who really go all in for tour down under and then they're flying in January. You know, there's like a lot of these Australian guys, sometimes others, but then it's like, their season finishes in February, you know, it's like, they'll be absolutely flying the first couple of races of the year, but then I don't know, they do too much. They don't take enough recovery or something. I don't know exactly what, but it just seems like the whole rest of their season is just average after that. Um, and you know, like I, I had a Australian teammate before who just said like, look, I don't want to do two down under <laughs> because it's just, it's too much in January. And, and I'd rather be good later in the year when there are more important races to him for, and I guess his goals were later in the year. And so he didn't want to go to tour down under because it was just too early. And, and it's not like you can't be okay. Unless maybe Greg Van Averma, he's incredible. Like he can win from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, but not everyone can do that. Right. And so there are some guys who pick, pick their battles. So that last thought from Larry really leads well into the next section we want to talk about, which is how to pick or having to pick what part of the season you're, you're really going to focus on, when you're going to peak. Let's first hear from Keel. And what's Keel going to talk about, Trevor? So we almost didn't include this one because this is where you're really hearing a, a pro's perspective. And Keel talks about how long the pro season is now. I mean, they're racing January through October. Mm -hmm. And they're doing a lot of races. So... I thought for a minute about that really doesn't apply to a lot of us who just do a few races in the year, but things are changing for the amateur world as well. Mm -hmm. Now we have things like Zwift where you can be racing all year round and a lot of us are doing that. So that traditional, you don't turn a pedal over in anger until April 
uh, model that most of us followed is, is disappearing a bit. So I think a lot of what Kiel says applies to all of us. My, my fir- the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, something that's really changing in the sport um, that, that we as riders are noticing is the season length. Um, it is unbearably long at this point and something that didn't used to exist and now exists are these mid-season breaks. Sometimes they're a week, sometimes they're three days. Um, they're as much mental as they are physical, but it's becoming not like a, um, a sport like, like I think of Ironman um, is one or boxing where you have, you have an event, there's a specific buildup to that event and then a decompression time post event. Um, I think, you know, for guys who are tour stars, you're seeing a lot more of, of that kind of targeted racing where they have a handful of targets throughout the season. They're not afraid to shut it down in between, um, rebuild for, for the event. And this whole idea of uh, base training followed by intervals, followed by, you know, seven months of racing and maintenance is not realistic anymore. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think science backs it either. And I do think that fatigue is, is a bigger issue than it used to be because the races are not necessarily longer, but they're definitely, uh, harder, um, more kind of across the board. You know, there's no vacation races. Everyone takes every race seriously. Every race is an opportunity. So you have to, you have to pick goals. You, you know, now no one shows up to team camp and says, yeah, I want to be good from, January through October. It's just not realistic. So, you know, teams are focusing on specific goals for specific riders. And I think part of that is this finding out that specific training uh, for, for an event, like you're saying, not months in advance, but sort of right before that event work. Um, and, and you find form is such a kind of fleeting thing. I've, I've been, there's kind of this, this saying that we all have that if you're on form, nothing matters. You can lose sleep. You can get a cold. You can, you know, have a travel. You can do all this stuff. And somehow if you're on form, you're just on form. But when it's done, it's gone. And it doesn't matter how much you rest or how much you tweak this, that, how much you sleep, you're not on form anymore. So why is that? You know, what, what is, how is that happening? And, and because it's so important for us to be able to predict when we're on form, we need to understand more about why that happens. And I do think part of it is this tendency in the sport to overtrain, to, to look at this, the kind of macro cycle of uh, the year as a big base buildup followed by efforts, followed by racing and, and maintenance. I, I don't think that that is the best model anymore. So what is, you know, how, you, you have to have some sort of base fitness, right? Otherwise, right. You're, what are you doing your intervals from? Um, the, the, if you don't have base fitness, you're, you're starting from scratch every time you do your week of effort. So that doesn't work. So there needs to be some sort of maintenance, base, aerobic, whatever, but then kind of a hard punch, quite near the event is maybe all you need to spur a lot of these, these systems as opposed to, you know, the kind of old school Euro mentality would be the race, race to fitness, you know, use some of those early season races that used to not be as hard to get that intensity in and then you're good to go. That's it's too much for too long. Uh, I think anymore. So what, what intrigues me about what you're saying is, how little time it took, how close to the event you really can um, up your game. 
Um, and that coming into three weeks before the event not fatigued is maybe just as important as coming into it fit. Next up, let's hear from Larry. What is Larry going to talk about, Trevor? This is a pretty long stretch from Larry who dives into a whole lot of sides of mapping out your season. So he talks about how much base you need. He does, as I remember, he talks a bit about the length of the season, but then has some really great points about how to map out your season as very individual and actually even uses a story about Cadell Evans showing how Cadell really learned what worked best for him that wasn't the same for everybody else. The last thing that I found really interesting in, in the interview with Larry is he then talked a little bit about when to start doing that high intensity. And it was interesting to hear him say he doesn't do any intensity until about two weeks before his first race. Mm, wow. That's a short amount of time. That might not work for everybody, but it works for him. And that's kind of the point. Right. Though I think the, the bigger point that he does make that I think applies to everybody is intensity. Once you start doing intensity, it, you're on a time limit. We've the talked about this before. Right. So I think the point that he's trying to get across uh, is if you start doing intensity in November, you're changing your season. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's hear from Larry. So when you and your coach are mapping out your training, how much does timing play into it? Meaning there's a lot of people who feel, well, the earlier I start up my season, the better. If I can start in November instead of December, I'm going to be that much stronger versus uh, I've seen other people take the approach of saying, okay, here's when I want to be strong. And, and then they work backwards to figure out where they should be at, at, at each point in December, January, February, and so forth. I definitely think the second is the, is the way to go. Uh, I guess the thing is, is like, to me, one thing that I've learned since I've become a professional is the importance of recovery. So uh, I really try to apply that throughout the season, sort of like on a micro and macro basis. Um, so even on my recovery days, I, I'm trying to like put my feet up, do nothing, nothing, nothing. And uh, that goes all the way until when I'm talking about the off season is I'll take, I think this last year I took almost six weeks off. So, I mean, totally off, didn't touch the bike. And so I've, I've ranged like, when I was 123, once I took two weeks off. And then since I've been a pro, I've taken usually between three and six weeks. And to be honest, I think you, you pretty much start at zero once you take three or six. So I don't think it matters that much as long as, you know, you don't gain 20 pounds or something. But I guess for me, what's most important is to focus on the recovery in the off season and then go from there. Um, so Maybe that means trying to adjust your race schedule if you need more recovery and not start so early. Uh, but yeah, for me, I think I started training middle, maybe second week in November or something I started training this year. And then, you know, I started racing in January, which was maybe like a little bit quick, but I think it's enough time. Maybe you're not going to be as good as the guys who start in October uh, in January, but I guess it's a long season. So you have to think about that as well. So what is, do you feel, good timing? And I almost asked this question twice, once as a top pro and then once thinking more 
our target audience, which is going to be more your amateur rider, how much time do they need from their off season through through base? Uh, when should they be thinking about starting to do their top end work and and then reaching the point where they're they're on peak form and should be taking advantage of it? Is there a standard timing, or is it truly truly individual? And and what are things they should be looking for to say it's time to to make my switch now? I definitely think it's pretty individual. It's like, I guess now I, I think back, like I remember when I'd be going to the camps with BMC and uh, we'd go and Cadell would just ride. He'd never do any intervals. He'd just ride, you know, just, he'd just ride his own pace. He'd go slow up the climbs, you know, let everyone else go do their efforts, whatever, whatever. And he'd just ride, you know? And I remember being like, how is this guy so good when he doesn't do any of the intervals, you know? And, uh, and, and everyone was like, asking the same question, like, how can Cadell just not even do any efforts? Like, I don't understand. And then I was like, you know, the young guy. So I was like, well, I'll just ask him, you know, like yeah. everyone else was too scared to ask him. So I asked him like, Hey, Cadell, like, how come, how come you don't do any of the efforts? Like, why do you just ride? And he said, well, you know, like I know over the course of the year, years, my coach and I have figured out that like it really takes me a short amount of time to get really fit. And I can only hold that fitness for a certain amount of time. So he said, I'd rather just ride here and wait till it gets closer to my objectives. And that's when I'll really start training hard because I don't want to be too fit too soon. And then, you know, lose that before my important objectives. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that, that's a pretty fair and good answer. Um, so, you know, I think it is different from ev- for everyone. And I guess for me, it's, it's really hard to say, uh, I guess I'm not as dialed in as someone like he was. Uh, so I think everyone's different though. And I think pretty much it's just trial and error of figuring out, you know, how it is. But I think if I was an amateur, I wouldn't even be stressed about having only a month to train before my first races. Uh, if I was really, really gunning, then, you know, I, I think two months would be plenty of time and three months would be awesome, you know, and then from there on, you know, you can just keep going, I think. So as long, I think the other important thing, and this is one thing I've applied the last couple of years is just to have good breaks in the season too. So if I'm starting to get tired, I'll just take three to five days totally off the bike, won't touch the bike. Uh, and for me, that's, that's huge because it totally like resets you, refreshes you and you really don't lose like any fitness. So going back, you said one to two months or three months would be great. Are you talking about when you start doing your intensity, get ready for races? Or are you talking more about the base? No, that's just riding in general. That's just starting up. Um, I mean, ideally you would have like one to two months to just ride, you know? Uh, and then, you know, maybe I guess first month ride, second month do some zone three stuff, third month do high intensity. I'll go through these mini cycles over the course of the year and, you can add some high intensity in there just before your first races, but not exactly peak for your first races, you know, just so you can at least compete. And then your really big goals, whenever those are, I guess, then have the really full build before that. Okay. So when you say add some intensity before your first races and, and sorry to get so, uh, no, no, nitty, it's okay. Nitty gritty I mean, high here. intensity, like four zone four five, you know, right. Are you talking weeks before a month, a month before? Or how, how oh, a couple of weeks before maybe. I, I think like before I raced in Australia this year, I would have done the first few weeks just riding, you know, the 
couple few weeks after that, zone three. And then two weeks before the race, I started to do some intensity, like high intensity, some high intensity. So that's like the only time I went over threshold was in the two weeks before that. Next up, we're going to hear from Tom's. And it looks to me like he's going to talk a bit about sort of a classic way to map out a season. Is that correct, Trevor? It's a bit of a classic way, but it's still something, even though a lot of these pros talked about how you map out your season is changing. I think one theme you're going to hear throughout is you just can't be strong all year round anymore. So you really have to pick targets. And Tom's takes that a little bit further and says, when you map out your season, the best thing to do is identify your targets and then map backwards. And I think he gives some really good advice on how to do that. Great. Let's hear from Tom's. Well, for me, and I think most of the riders, the first thing is you pick, you kind of know your schedule and you pick the races you want to do good at. And you, you pick the races you're, you're going to do well at. You pick the races that suit your skills and you go back from that. So you don't really start with the building phase. You start with the, where do I want to be good? And for us, there's a lot of racing throughout the year. So you really have to focus on the races you actually can do good at and will do good at. And that also, that focus is not just physically, but also mentally. Because a lot of the times it's a lot in the head than in the legs. So you, you, and you start going backwards from that. You pick the first race. Well, yeah, the first race you want to do really good at, and then you can count on a good month that you can be at the top level. For sure, you're going to be racing really good throughout the year as well, but there is that edge that you still need to win races. And once you decide where that's going to be, you take, I usually take two months because I need a good, good block of intensity to really get me going. I take two months before that. I start doing some hard races, some maybe not even suited for me, but as long as the racing card, that's all you need. And, uh, well, not necessarily suited for me. For sure, it's better if they're suited for you, but at the same time, you then you'd want to do good at them and try too hard. Yeah. You for sure need some racing miles and just focus on intensity, cut, cut back a little bit on the volume. And before the two months of racing, like to get the race legs under, under you, I do three months on a perfect perfect scenario, three months of build where I do mostly base miles, focus a lot on core. I do the first month, definitely. I do a lot of running. I do mountain bikes. I do, I do go swimming, uh, do a lot of gym work just because cycling is very easy on the bones, easy on the joints, and you still need to live as a human. <laughs> so you need that running, that impact thing, uh, that impact part of it. And you need to just be a actual human before you're a bike rider because we all will get skinny. We all will get twigs for our arms and just have frog legs, but you need, you need to be a human first as well. Let's hear a little bit more from Larry this time. What's he talking about Trevor? So you're going to hear him again, talk a little bit about doing that intensity late. Larry gets into, dives a little further into this whole idea that 
we can only last so long. I think he has some interesting points about what actually sets our limits, and I'll let him talk about that. He also talks about the fact that if you pick these targets, you can peak, and you can hit a higher level if you peak. And then finally, he's just going to go into what sort of interval work he does at what time of the season. So he's going to go a little further into that. So this is a kind of a bit of a all over the, the map conversation, but he has some really interesting points that I think are, are worth listening to. Excellent. Let's hear from Larry. So you do feel top race form being at, at, at full strength. There is a time limit to that. That there might be some people who can keep it going permanently, but most of us, we, we have a limit. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's not even just physiologically, but also mentally, because it's like when you're trying to ride the razor's edge in terms of diet, training, everything, like, you know, your body kind of breaks down after a while, you know? I mean, especially if you're trying to be really lean and, you know, for us, like diet is really important and I was trying to lose weight over the last month and I was really, really just on it, you know, like I was counting all my calories, which is a bit excessive, but uh, I thought I can do this for a certain amount of time. And, you know, after a few weeks, it was like, I just, one day I just cracked, you know, and it was like, just had to eat a bunch of cookies and pizza and ice cream, you know, because like, you just can't keep it going like that for that long. At least I can't mentally. And so it's just a combination of everything. So, but physically, I also think you, if you have a peak, you can be at a higher level than if you were to just try to stay at the same high level over the whole course of the year. How big a difference do you think it is? Mm, that's kind of tough. I'm, I'm not, not really sure. I think it's probably, again, different for everyone. I guess for me, like from my best performances over the course of the year, uh, to my worst performances, it's, I mean, it's, it's more than 5% probably, you know, but it's hard to put an exact number on it. Do you tend to do the same types of work all year round or does it change up depending on, on where you're at relative to your, your target races? So it, it changes a bit. Um, but I'll use a lot of the same intervals over the course of the year. And I guess the ones that I would do less frequently around the whole year are like the really high intensity stuff. So, you know, more of the like zone five stuff, I would do that only really in the race season. But, you know, a lot of the zone three stuff I'll do throughout the whole year, you know, tempo, sweet spot. And then threshold work will get, you know, closer, closer to the race season and, and throughout the whole race season. Um, and then, yeah, just the high intensity, that's really a lot closer to the races. So, yeah, but, you know, a lot of the zone three work, the, the strength, you know, like torque, that kind of stuff, um, that I'll do throughout the whole year. This episode of Fast Talk is brought to you by Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered your body is, and how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from your workouts and the normal stressors of life. What's great with Whoop is that every day when you get up, you get a recovery score based on your HRV, resting heart rate, and sleep performance that can be used as an indicator to how to approach your day. The Whoop app has built-in features like the Strain Coach, which actually gives you target exertion goals worked out optimally for the level of intensity your body is signaling it can handle, perfect for working out at home. 
And based on how strenuous your day is, the app has a built-in sleep coach, which actually lets you know how much sleep you should be getting so you can wake up and be recovered based on your performance goals, which you can set. Whoop is offering 15% off with the code FASTTALK. That's F-A-S-T-T-A-L-K at checkout. Go to Whoop, that's W-H-O-O-P dot com, and enter FASTTALK at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. This next section is all about fatigue. Let's start out by hearing from Joey Roscoff. Trevor, what's he going to mention? So I think we heard in some of the previous interviews talking about the fact that you just can't stay strong all year, that at some point you're going to fatigue. So Joey dived into that a little more and talked about how he handles it when he gets stretched, so starts feeling fatigue. And he actually, throughout his interview, kept going back to this recovery, this fatigue, what happens when you're digging yourself into a hole. So this is part of the interview where he just really hits on that topic. What do you do when you face that situation where you're feeling a little overreached, you feel like you might be pushing some burnout and you have to keep racing? You have to keep racing the whole time. That gets pretty tough, but um, the one good thing about racing the whole time is you never have to worry about training or what intervals you're going to have to push yourself through, and the pain is just getting caused to you when you're at the races, and that's enough of a training stress to not, you don't have to worry about doing any of it on your own. So even if you're racing every weekend or every few days or whatever, it's not, it's kind of nice because you can just feel confident riding an hour or two easy every single day that you're not racing. I like big blocks of training but then at some point you also start to get a little antsy and you're just at home not seeing the results of your training tested during like at any races there's nothing to do but ride easy if you if you feel like you're getting tired at least that's the only thing i can figure so then i feel i feel like i'm doing myself like i'm benefiting my performance if i'm doing an easy coffee shop ride every single day that i'm not racing you just have to be confident that you're tired because you put in a big block of training already. And then with the races, you're definitely not losing any fitness and you're tired. You're not going to gain anything by training. So, so it sounds like it's, it's almost a mental game. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a positive at least that it's one less thing you have to worry about, which is going out and doing quality intervals. If you're to that point in the season when you're already tired and you still have to race, forcing yourself through training at home is just one less thing you have to worry about. But if I get to that point, then I'm doing this always just biding my time basically until I can get two weeks between races when, and that's usually enough for me. If I am at that really tired point to like take a couple of days off the bike and then have time to build back up with a couple easy rides, a little block of training, um, sort of reset. I find it that takes about two weeks for me. If you're tired because you've had a crap ton of training and racing, then you just need to stop digging the hole. <laughs> because if that's the reason you're tired, nothing, no hard training is going to make that better, I don't think. It's just a good time to rest. I mean, but if you're, you know, if you're tired, if it's something more acute, if you're tired because you 
went to the club two days ago and then you went to a race on the weekend and you felt tired and got dropped then then maybe you can just sleep for a couple of days and then your body can still handle some training load but if you're tired from from the bike then I think it's just time to stop digging the hole and see how the see how your body recovers for the rest of the year next up we'll hear from Larry again what's he gonna mention same sort of thing. So he again talks about how everybody is different, but really hammers on this idea that the biggest mistake you can make is to overtrain. And I actually found this really interesting because when he first brought this up, I thought he was talking about coming into the season too hot. And, and he actually corrects me on that and talks about the importance of going into races, mm-hmm. not fatigued. Are there any big mistakes that you see people make that they should really avoid in terms of doing things too soon, doing things too late, doing something for too long, that sort of stuff? So looking at it from a a timing perspective. I think the biggest error is just overtraining. You know, I mean, I've seen guys do any different kind of training. Like I'm someone who believes really like – there's a thousand ways to skin a cat or whatever the saying is. So I've seen guys who never even do over zone three in training and then they can go to a race and they're incredible. And then, or you see one guy who does massive volume, one guy who does like the least amount of volume you've ever seen and they all somehow perform well. And so I think everyone is different, but I think the one place where I see a lot of people make the same mistakes is just overtraining, you know, and not taking enough recovery. And like these guys who will just absolutely train the house down and they get to the races and then they're just too tired. And that's even, even I'll see guys coming off the off season, you know, overtrained because they trained so hard in the winter because they were so motivated to be good. You know, that happens to a lot of guys or they'll be flying for the first race or two and then they just die. And it happens to a, a lot of professionals. And these are guys who have, you know, some of the top coaches in the world. So I think that's something to be really conscious of, uh, just not doing too much. It sounds like everything you're saying is coming into the season. If you have a choice, you're probably better coming into the start of the race season a little, a little underdone, underdone than overdone. Thank you. I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is coming into the races. So like I was saying before, if you're on the verge of overtraining, you, you still have the option to take recovery, right? So just making sure you take that recovery. Um, but I'm saying like coming into the actual races themselves rather than the season in general is to make sure you're well rested and you're fresh coming into the races. So, you know, if you want to do a massive block of training in the offices, that's fine, but just make sure you have enough recovery. So I guess the thing is don't do too little in the off season, but just make sure you're recovering from what you are doing. You know, I guess there's a difference because like, I wouldn't encourage people to not train in the off season. So then they're fresh for the season because, you know, then they don't have the whole base and everything like that. But, but I guess it's fresh for the races, not exactly necessarily the season, but, but for the season, you know, that means you can always take recovery if you're going to, if you're feeling overtrained, you know? Finally, we'll hear from Keel. What's he going to talk about in this clip? 
Keel talks about the importance of a mid-season rest. And this is where you're going to hear a pro perspective. Uh, he talks about July because if you're a pro and you're not at the tour, there's nothing going on in July. So you take a rest. But I think this applies to everybody. All of us need a point during the season where we should just take a longer good rest and that's going to help set you up to have a stronger season later well so with the calendar i've had the last three years we don't do the tour de france so uh, and for those who don't make the tour de france team on their on their respective teams same kind of opportunity july is dead and that's really important that's that's where i've taken an opportunity to take a mid-season break a week off reset not lose all my fitness but but come down to a level where I'm not constantly in a state of fatigue um, and trying to balance fatigue versus sharpness. You know, what that what that kind of chunk in July allows me to do is to prepare really well for August. And that's been huge for me because I always seem to be able to perform for the rest of the year after that. Um, you know, as you get towards October, maybe fatigue sets in again. But that that ability to reset there, I think uh, the people who do reset there, you see them perform in the second half of that season. Well, the guys who haven't had the opportunity to reset there really just continue to get worse as the season comes to the end. They're, they're just hanging on until, until it's done. So especially guys, you know, that are performing in the tour, that kind of thing. It's like you're just hanging on for your life till it's over at that point. And, and that's why you see, you know, a lot of the tour stars are pretty vacant at races like Colorado, races like Worlds, the sort of late season races, the top tour guys, you know, there's always exceptions, you know, I don't know what to tell you about Alejandro Valverde, uh, apparently the sky's the limit, but, um, for most of us humans, mere humans, it's, uh, it's too big to ask to, to keep that rolling. It, it's always, it's really dangerous and easy when you're on form to go, well, I'm on form. I got a race. You know, I got to use this form. I got it. Sometimes you can extend that, that form or that fitness for longer if you're a little more careful with it, you know, if you treat it a little more fragilely. So instead of saying, Hey, I'm, I'm on form. Yeah. You know, Colorado went really well. Let's, let's do Alberta. Maybe yeah. instead you take a little rest after Colorado, you do a hard week and then you do, you know, an event a week after Alberta or two weeks after Alberta. Well, that's, uh, you know, with the athletes I coach, one of the things I always like to tell them is that uh, a peak is the first symptom of burnout. Yeah, one right. of the tricks totally. is, is pulling the plug totally. before the other symptoms appear. Yeah. Which is the hardest yeah. thing to do because when you're feeling great, you it is. keep it going. It is. Exactly. And on that note of finishing your season strong, the last section we'll talk about here is the end of the season and how to reap the rewards of that tail end. First, we're going to hear from Joey Roscoff. What's he going to specifically talk about, Trevor? So Joey's going to talk about the end of the season. So when you're getting into, you know, everybody is different, but let's say August, September, there's still some racing going on, how you manage that. And this is probably my favorite part of Joey's interview where he brought up this, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but this great expression of let all the racing you've done settle in. And I liked his wording better, so we'll let him talk about that. Great. Let's hear from Joey. By the time you get to August, if you've been racing during the year, 
that's pretty much like you can only do yourself just a benefit to ride easy. Let the racing soak in. You've been training for months. I mean, it seems like a long time ago, but as long as you've been racing, that in addition to the training, you just have to ride it out. That's like how I always start to feel good at the end of the year is let, just let all the racing soak in. If you've already done 60 days of racing, then you, you've got enough to recover from. I like that expression, let the racing soak in. But a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people, when they... I don't know if they don't realize that they're just tired, but they they start to slow down in the races, get bogged down, or get to the bottom of one of their waves of up and down peaking, and uh, they just try to train harder. They think they need to be better, but I mean that's like one of the it's just something you can you should embrace. Something well maybe I don't know what people should do, but that's something I embrace at the end of the year is getting to the point where I don't feel like training. Is going to make me much better. Then I just sort of coasted out for the rest of it, for certain parts at the end of the season and usually come really good again. It's sort of like, I just feel overall more relaxed when I'm not having to think about intervals that I need to force myself to do at home. Agreed. It's just a rewarding part of the year to get to. When you put in the training, you put in so many race days, now you're rewarded with being able to to just ride it out and let your body rest and go from race to race rather than race to miserable training. Next up, we'll hear from Larry with a little bit on the end of the season and how it can be the best time to race. I have a teammate. Um, he's my teammate now on uh, Aqua Blue Sport, but he was also my teammate when I was a stagiaire with I. I mean, with BMC. Um, and I remember it was September. I was doing a race, uh, Franco Belge, and I was just pretty much cracked at the end of the season. Like, you know, I'd just been eating ice cream sundaes every day in Belgium, uh, for like the couple of weeks before. And like, I was just like, Oh, I don't really want to be at this race in Belgium, whatever, whatever. He's like, man, this is the best time of year. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, if you're motivated now, this is when you can win races. You know, he said, this is when everyone else is totally demotivated. No one wants to be here. So if you want to be here, he said, you're already way ahead of everyone else. He's like, this is my favorite time of year. He's like, I don't even care as much about the middle of the season as I care about the end because I know at the end, that's when I can get results. And it's like, it's really true actually. So you need to pick, pick your times. So finally, we're going to close with some final comments from Larry again on recovery. Trevor, any Further thoughts to lead into this last clip? I thought this would be a good one to end with. I did say at the start of this episode that there isn't really a theme except for talking about the season. But if there was a theme that all these guests kept bringing up, it was the importance of not overtraining. It was the importance of recovering. As a matter of fact, when I asked both Larry and Joey for their final thoughts, they, they kind of hammered on that. So we've mm-hmm. already heard Joey hammer on it. Uh, this was my final question to Larry of anything else you want to say. And this is what he, he immediately went to. I mean, I guess the, the one thing is just make sure you get enough recovery. You know, I mean, I, I said that before, but it's just something I want to emphasize is, you know, I think one of my biggest mistakes that I've made over the years is just 
being overtrained and not taking recovery seriously. And uh, I think learning how to recover well is probably one of the most important things you can learn in cycling because training is great and I love training. And I think a lot of people who are really into cycling, they, they love it, you know, but, but if you want to be good in the races, you have to be uh, well recovered as well. Um, and so I think just never underestimate the importance of recovery. That's just something I think it's good to reiterate because that's, yeah, that's probably the biggest mistake I've made in the past and I'm sure I'll make it in the future as well, but make sure, make sure you get your recovery. So one thing I found over the past couple of years is like, if I'm training really hard and then I just start to feel really fatigued, I just say, okay. And I take three to five days off, uh, you know, even in the middle of the season, like a few years ago, I had, I think six days between two races and I, I literally took five days off and, uh, I guess twice I've done this and the race after those five days I took off were both some of my best rides as a professional. So, you know, it's maybe a little bit contrary to what's like regular wisdom, but for me, I found that that works pretty well. So I wouldn't recommend that like all the time, like don't go taking five days off before every race, but you know, like, uh, if you're really fatigued, uh, I think it can really help. So one of my favorite things in the world, I, I coach a lot of master's athletes and most of them take a spring break where they go to the beach with their kids and they're yeah. always terrified. They're like, I'm going to be off the bike for a week. I'm going to lose all my fitness. What are we going to do about this? Uh, and I always go, look, let's just worry about it when you get back. Go enjoy your trip. And they do. And yeah. then, uh, they come back. And one of the first things I have them do a couple rides. And then one of the first things I have them do is either some intervals or a power test just because... 90% of the time they're riding stronger than before the trip just because oh, yeah. they're, they're recovered. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's huge. And I think that's like, yeah, like I was saying something I definitely didn't realize the importance of when I was younger, when I was younger, I thought like, Oh, just train, 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 train. You know, I, I, I'd go to a training camp and I, I'd want to make the rest day a training day. So, you know, I, so I didn't lose fitness and it's like, uh, I wish I wish I could go back and, you know, tell myself, you know, how dumb I was. But, you know, that's just the way it is. So you live and you learn. Just a final thought. We realize it's the middle of August. Uh, this season isn't a season really at all. It's been basically demolished at this point. Not a lot of racing going on. It's starting up in Europe for the pros again. But we we know that this stuff is what we call in, in the journalism world, it's evergreen content. It will be valuable to you now. It'll be valuable to you next year, the year after that. You can potentially create your best season ever next year when you get back to racing by starting early, taking in all of this wisdom from these four riders and applying it to next year's plan. That was another episode of Fast Talk. As always, we love your feedback. Email us at fasttalk at fastlabs.com or record a voice memo on your phone. Send it our way. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. For Tom's Scoonch, Keel Reinen, Joey Roscoff, Larry Warboss, Trevor Connor, I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening.